Hey friends, it's Corey Andrew Powell here, letting you know it's time to treat yourself with an exclusive Motivational Mondays deal at the NSLS shop. Listeners get 20% off shop-wide with the code MONDAYS. That's M-O-N-D-A-Y-S. Need a new coffee tumbler? Or perhaps you want to keep it classy with a new hardcover notebook? Well, get them on sale. Listen, with this deal, I'm tempted to trade in my bow tie collection for one of those cute NSLS hoodies. And don't forget, use code MONDAYS at checkout. That's M-O-N-D-A-Y-S. Enjoy that 20% off at shop.nsls.org. And stay motivated, leaders. Stay motivated. Hello, everyone. I am Corey Andrew Powell, and I am so thrilled today to be joined by Paige Duncan. Now, she's known in the publishing world as a creative publicist genius. She's the mastermind behind many successful book launches, and she's been credited with landing multiple authors on bestseller lists. Now, previously, Paige was the head of PR and talent at Success Magazine, and today, with over 15 years of industry experience, she heads the company she founded called The Front Porch, uh, The Front Porch Collective. If I can talk today, that would be a miracle. Paige, welcome to Motivational Mondays. Oh, Corey, thank you so much. I am thrilled to be here. And I know that's a lot of words, like right off the bat. It's so. a lot. It's a lot. But listen, I mean, but it's your life. You know, I had to give that intro, although she was a tongue twister, I will say. It was, <laughs> but but it means you've been really doing a lot of great stuff. So I'm thrilled to share that with our audience. Now, you know, Paige, normally when I have people on, I ask like sort of like the, the, the standard question of like, you know, how did you begin your company? How did you this or how did you that? So I'm going to frame this question to you a little differently. Okay. Okay. So I'll just start start by saying one of my favorite foods in the world is slow cooked smoked barbecued ribs. So you know where I'm going with this. I, I know where you're going. <laughs> so I know that your story of how your company came to pass and how it became in existence has to do with barbecued ribs. So I want you to share that revelation that uh, got you here from the barbecued rib situation. Absolutely. We're not just making you guys hungry. It actually is like the beginning point for me. Mm -hmm. And that's when I worked at Dickie's Barbecue Pit, which is a national um, barbecue chain. I started very green like so many of us out in the world after college and wondering, you know, what my path is going to be. And I took a PR position and really got to wear multiple hats. But it wasn't until the family came to me and told me I want to produce a cookbook make that happen. Right. And here I am. What was I? 22, 23, right. Read a ton of books in my life. I had no clue how to do it. And so that was my first, like throw in the deep end, figure it out on your own. And this is before guys, like we of course had the internet, but this is not like the robust engine we have today to find out all this information. So just, I use that to say like, I had to be really like a detective digging, finding, combing and using really that mindset. That was the first time I really had to use determination to make something happen because no one was holding my hand. No one was giving me the guidance, but I knew that I could figure it out. I just Mm -hmm. had to be educated enough to be able to do it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, one of the things that I often come across with successful entrepreneurs or CEOs or anyone really who's just uh, accomplished something, very often they've been given a task or some sort of duty, if you will, and they didn't know what they were doing. They didn't know anything about it. But instead of saying no, they figured it out. Mm-hmm. And that is a really big key component to success. So many people will just stop themselves in the beginning. Well, I don't know how to do that. And they will actually maybe not even take the project on you know, and it's a, I think that's a, a self, uh, defeating action when we do things like that. What do you think? 
It absolutely is. I think the biggest thing that holds any of us back is that feeling of being scared, right? Because we're taught from a very young age, being scared means someone is going to come like rescue us or help us or comfort us. And when there are times when you are in the working world, there's no one running to comfort you. So it's a beautiful time to reframe what feeling scared means. Reframe it as feeling scared means I get the opportunity to do something new. And at the end of the day, no matter how this turns out, I'm going to learn a skill set from it, regardless of whatever happens, right? Like you take out that catastrophic thinking, like, I don't know how to do it, so I'm not going to, and just reframe it as like, this is a wonderful tool I'm going to learn from my toolbox to take me wherever I want to go with my career. I love that. Yeah. And it's about reframing your thinking. Absolutely. You know, really quickly, I'll share that like maybe last year, my partner and I were looking to buy a house. First time I had really been involved in that process. And it was so exhausting and learning all the terminology and learning all the bank terms and all these things. And then my mom was selling her house at the same time. And I was assisting with that. So in two different states. And I mean, it was really intense. And at some time I was like overwhelmed and I just looked at it all as a negative. I can't, you know, this is so frustrating. I can't believe it. And then I thought, but wait, I know terms now. Like I know, I, I maybe can sell real estate now. Like I know a lot of stuff after these. I had to reframe my thinking of what I thought was, uh, as we say, happening to me was happening for me. And that's an expression exactly. I learned here on Motivational Mondays. Mm-hmm. It makes all the difference in the world. Now, to that point too, Paige, I will say, as you just mentioned, when you're fearless and take on a role that you didn't know, there are some benefits, of course, and you talk about that in your own journey because you say that you identified missed opportunities that authors had in the press when it came to selling their book. And that's sort of the catalyst of your whole business. So talk about the opportunities that you saw that were overlooked by authors. Absolutely. It gave me kind of that gateway into like, how can we do this differently? And I always have that mindset Kind of, I have never been color in the lines. Like even as a child, I was all over the page. <laughs> yeah, me too. <laughs> um, right. But that is a beautiful thing that it, what it means is I saw an opportunity that people were not tapping into the power of storytelling to sell their books. And by storytelling, I mean media, right? So you think of all forms of media, TV, print, radio, now social. Everybody's just telling a story and There is no greater place to tell a story than starting with your book, right? A book is a story in itself, and you can really help change someone's trajectory. I was just talking with somebody this morning. A book has impacted, literally changed somebody's life. And so why wouldn't we use the media to help reach a broader audience? So that's when I started really tapping into the power of media and public relations in storytelling to get books to reach a wider audience, but also have a greater impact as well. Yeah, yeah. And especially today, because there's always a new media form or format that's popping up, right? I mean, every day there's another platform, there's something different. So, but when you started the business to now, like what are some of the changes? Like we just talked about how the internet wasn't really the thing when you were first an intern or you're working in that first job. But what have you seen in the past 15 years for you that makes a difference in what used to be versus opportunities now to promote? You know, if I could boil it down to one thing, the biggest thing that has changed is communication slash relationships. And I say that because when I started out, you could actually go and meet with media. You would do what's called desk sides where you go to New York, LA, the main markets for media. And 
go in their office and sit with them and brainstorm with them and have this really unified kind of community together. Fast forward 15 years later, those have gone all by the wayside due to budget cuts, Mm. lean teams, and then COVID really was the catalyst too. So it is not only critical, like it is truly your lifeline to craft relationships in an organic way, but it has to all be done digitally for the most part. Yeah. Yeah. I guess that's the personal touch is gone, but do you find that it's still, I mean, because you work in this space, so do you find that it's still impactful though, if you're savvy enough to do it, but you just have to do it differently? Yes. I mean, that is what us publicists, that's our bread and butter is being able to have these relationships, like honest relationships to lead to media placements. Like today, I was just talking with someone at Good Morning America about just a pitch idea that came into my head. And we still have that brainstorming back and forth. You just need to understand how to communicate that in an email, right? Quicker. And text, because also, media does not take phone calls rarely anymore. <laughs> right, right. Do, we, do any of us take phone calls anymore? No, no, not, not many. And we all, I mean, look at the phone and we can like edit who we want to talk to. Like, you know, you'll see the name come up. You're like, nah, not right now. <laughs> you're like, that goes to voicemail, right? Yeah, yeah. Very different And world. so that's what, if I can give any tip, and this can be applied in any path that you're going to take is learn the art of communication. Mm-hmm. And that is what's going to set the difference up between you and everybody else in that space. Do you work with both, I mean, a range of ages when it comes to the books you're promoting? Like, do you have like younger, maybe Gen Z in in your roster as well? Because I'm curious about that particular demographic when it comes to what we just said. I mean, there's a reputation that the Gen Z, that generation has for not necessarily being the most personable. And, you know, what are some of the conflicts, if any, that you find maybe with that demographic when it comes to the communication aspect? You know, it's surprising why there's kind of been this like more negative storyline, which we all know Gen Z is a very powerful group and the change makers taking our world kind of where it needs to go. Yeah, yeah. In publishing young adult fiction and that Gen Z audience is one of the highest earned genres out of anybody. So Mm. like it's an amazing time in the publishing space for Gen Z to write their story, whether nonfiction or fiction, because it is one of the highest performing categories. So it's a beautiful world to uplift and empower a generation that sometimes doesn't always get a happy light put on it, right? Yeah, yeah. And it actually is an empowering space. And I would say the only kind of barrier to entry would be, Corey, is Sometimes it can be seen as lack of knowledge, right? If you're writing, especially a nonfiction book, say you're writing it about financial investing. Right. And they're like, you're 24. What do you have to teach me? <laughs> right? Right, right. Again, that's where the power of storytelling comes in because it shouldn't matter about your age. It should matter about your work. And that's where showing and just being your authentic self and that confidence, right? Because that confidence comes into play more than ever is you just got to know you are the best and it'll be felt on the other side, no matter how you're communicating with them. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's amazing. That's a, And that's a great universal message for any age group, but I do love that it's, it's applied there because a significant part of our community at the NSLS, college age students, kids who are actually getting out of high school, entering into college, and they may not have any idea that they have a story still, even at 18, 19, 20, we all have a story and maybe a literary path 
is a possibility. Just sit down and and write. I mean, do you have any reservations, I guess, about age when it comes to actually writing a book about life? I mean, I know you just no. mentioned sort of like that particular financial thing, but you know, is is it ever is it ever too young to write a book? It's never, I started writing poems when I was six, right? About life. And yeah. they're very, you know, elementary when you look at them now, but it's also a wonderful way of expression. You don't have to have your whole publishing path figured out. Like, should I publish? Should I self-publish? When you write, just write and get the story going and get your thoughts going. And also I think you're going to be very surprised, especially those of you graduating high school and then college, you're starting a whole new chapter. And this can help, this exercise of writing can actually help you figure out what that path is, right? Because it puts your brain in a different space than just being like, okay, Corey, I want you to tell me, what do you want to be when you grow up? Right. And it's like, I don't know, but writing actually gives you some of that freedom to be able to creatively think and take your brain to where it needs to go to figure that out. So no, I say write at any age and don't be worried about how you're going to get out there. That's like, we'll figure that out. Just start writing. Yeah. I love that. Again, not like, don't put the brakes on yourself. Don't edit yeah. yourself. Don't worry about, well, what if I'm not good enough? Just put the, the words in the paper. And I will say you and I share that similarity uh, with the poetry thing as young kids. I recently found all like my elementary school, like <gasps> books and notebooks, oh, like, and I opened up the math book and it was all full of poetry, which, <laughs> which is why to this day I'm dumb as dirt with carrying the one. I don't have any idea what to do with, I can write you a song, I can write poetry and I can write books, but I cannot add to save my life. But, um, you know, I love that you're also in the journalism, you know, writing, publishing space, if you will, but your journey can be applied to just clear, clean entrepreneurship across all industries. Absolutely. Like, I think the biggest takeaways are, you know, when we talk about kind of those three areas, no matter what path forward, whether you're an author or Fortune 100 CEO, it all begins with your passion. Yes, That's going to yes. be the first one. You have got to have this burning fire to trudge forward and be and do whatever you have up here to do. And what comes with passion is persistence, right? Because we know that, Corey, you can have what you think is a million dollar idea and you're going to have a ton of people telling you no. Or you could be a CEO trying to make a huge change in your company and hit that resistance. Or as an author, you keep getting turned down by publishers. So you've got to keep going and continue to have that drive. Yeah, yeah. Especially when, you know, one thing I'm learning in some of my own projects and things I'm doing now, sometimes timing is just not Right. Oh my right? God. Can and we so, talk about that for a minute, Corey? Yeah, yeah, because, you know, people will, will scrap an idea, right? And sometimes like, no, don't scrap it. Just put it aside and maybe let the world catch up to what you want. Yes, that happened in my own journey. So I started it, uh, it was a side hustle then because I was still at success, a completely different business than I have now. And I was like, this is perfect. I did it with my best friend. It was going to be our like, break free into owning our control and future. Then COVID hit and our product was specifically made for people in offices. Oh gosh. <laughs> Poor thing. That's terrible. Right. And we were crushed because we had spent a year and a half, almost two investing in this and it literally went away overnight. But timing stayed at success a few more years, then really found what I was supposed to do, which is 
this, the front porch collective. So yes, when you said timing, I was like, absolutely. That comes down to the end thing that matters if it's going to go or no go. Yeah. And another one of those things, uh, a common denominator I find with successful people is they have avoided getting stuck when something did not work out for them. They didn't get paralyzed by that and they were able to go, okay, how do I pivot? What do I need to do? Right. And that's like, I think most people don't do that. And I think they get defeated when life threw them at, uh, throws them at some adversity. You got to pivot. You got to pivot. You got to pivot. And I think that's where you see successful entrepreneurs and authors really be innovators in their space, right? Because if they are given a curveball, they just make a solution to go around it, right? They don't wait for the solution to come to them. They build it and then they keep going. And that's kind of that continuing journey to your, to the pivot that you were talking about. Yeah. And you know, one of the greatest stories I've, I, um, heard about was, um, he's the CEO of Chuck E. Cheese. Dave McKillops, I think his name is. Yes. And we had him on and he talked about how during the, the pandemic, all these restaurants were clearly, like you mentioned, there were like, there are things you have to do sort of in person because someone has to do things. But, um, they had this apparently Chuck E. Cheese pizza was like the greatest pizza in where I've never had it, but a I lot of grownups love it. Yeah. Well, the thing is a lot of grownups love it because it's not just for kids. They, the taste was really, it was actually a preferred pizza, but it had the kids moniker. So they rebranded another version of it during COVID and using their same ingredients, their same products, things they already had access to. And they did another division that was geared towards, uh, it's called Pascual and it's geared towards the adults. And so they increased their whole drive through business and take out business during COVID. But he, as a CEO was like, I had to continue to drive revenue. Like I couldn't just go to my, you know, board, board and go, sorry, there's nothing I can do. They expect results and a, yeah. So. Um, I just love that story about just, you know, just don't be defeated in a time of adversity. You got to keep going. No, I mean, look at what happened with Richard Branson, right? And all of his evolutions. Some of them haven't worked out. Some of them have, right? Mm -hmm. And then the same could be same with Oprah. Oprah had this amazing TV show. That was a success. But then her magazine got closed last year. But then she innovated and just was like, digitally, I'm going to reach more people. So that's where I'm investing in. Mm -hmm. So you're right. From the small to the large, anybody in this space has had to innovate and change. Yeah. With Richard Branson is really amazing because for me as a kid, he was a music man. Same. Like, like, like that's what I remember him. Like, you know, I have like, uh, the albums, like Culture Club and all these, you know, albums as a kid. I'm showing my age there. You know, <laughs> the Gen Z was like culture, what? But you know, Google it, kids. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, YouTube it, Google it. But yeah, I mean, he definitely took, and I love that story too, because planting the seed and then having some success and then being smart enough, or I would just say not smart enough, um, ambitious enough to then parlay that into something bigger and more, more grand, you know? So, uh, that brings me to one of the other points you talk about, which is innovation, Mm -hmm. right? You say don't Mm -hmm. settle for mediocrity. So talk a little bit about that component. Yeah. And I think because, so that happened early on in my career where I had, um, I was with Dickies, loved it, moved to another city with my fiance at the time, didn't love it. Right. So you're not always going to have a job that you love or a position that you love. And so was in that position. I was like, you know what? I do not like this, but I do need a job. But that's when I started really putting that hat on and thinking about, okay, But what can I do to still follow my passion, which I was still interested in publishing? So I actually went to the founders of the company and suggested a cookbook 
because I was like, because it was a, um, a food based business again. Yeah. Yeah. And I was like, I'm going to make my own path for this and a revenue path for the company. And, you know, again, that's where like, I hate when people feel they're, they work for somebody else and they feel like they have no control. You can innovate and change just as much as an employee, as an entrepreneur. It's just knowing that you have that option to be able to do it. So if you don't like something, even if it's in your role, Build a role that you do like and go present that opportunity to them. And so that's what I did. And I had to kind of continue to do that in my career. And especially in publishing, I had found that there just recently, there is not really a great resource for knowledge, right? You have to Google this page and then go to this page. Kind of publishing world is like dinosaur world, right? Yeah, yeah. So that's why I created, I'm creating a new product community just to bring all this knowledge into one space because I was frustrated as an author and not being able to find it all. So it's like, if you get frustrated by something, change it. And I think that is so powerful to, once you understand that, like truly you're not scared of whatever's going to be in your way or whatever kind of blocks you. Yeah, I love that. And as an aspiring author myself, I will say, yes, it is frustrating to, you're trying to find information and you don't know, and there's all these moving parts to the publishing world. And then there's also people trying to get you to self-publish because you're just a commodity to them. Yes. They don't care about your book. They just want you to, they want to charge you for all this money to self-publish. And then you don't know if that's a, a route to go. And there's, so it's really amazing that, you know, I love that you're working on like sort of like a resource place for people to kind of gain knowledge. Cause yeah, it's, it's, there's a lot of moving parts there. So I look forward Absolutely. to that. <laughs> well, yeah. and knowledge is power. Like, I think that is why I, I, I joke with my husband. I was like, I feel like I'm just here to share because everybody tells me as a business owner, they're like, you give too much information away for free. I was like, I don't believe that. I believe knowledge is power. And I totally get crumbled when I see people not doing something just because they don't know how. Like, just because maybe you didn't know what sentence to Google, I can help you with that. And then go on your way, right? And I think that's how we as humans should be a little bit more of, is like free knowledge and free help. It's not about an invoice you can send, right? Or money you can make off this person. It's like, no, truly invest in whatever they need help. I know the knowledge. So why wouldn't I pass that on? I'd be doing this industry a disservice Mm, if I just kept it to myself. Yeah. Oh, I love that. I love that because I'm the same way and I really don't want anyone to have to do any of the, I mean, I want, I want them to put the work in, but I don't want people who are aspiring to do things that I've done to have to hit the same pitfalls that I can help them avoid from the mistakes that I've made. I'm the exact same way. I do that with copywriters, junior writers, with recording artists, music artists that I work with. I mean, yeah, it's, and I do believe when you do that, because I'm not, not good all spiritual and Oprah here. We, although we, although <laughs> we did already summon her. Yeah. <laughs> I just, I believe that you, you just, that's an energy you get back. Yes. Pause. It's the karma thing to it's make it, you karma. know, it totally is. You'll get that back. Just share and don't put a, don't make everything transactional and put a price tag on it. I think. Yes. There was um, a book that I worked on with called um, What's In It For Them. It's mm. by Joe Polish. And it's amazing because it's a book about uh, you should always serve as an entrepreneur. That has to be kind of your foundation, number one way. And he talks about his journey as an entrepreneur, how that has led to the successful business that he has today. Kind of serve with no expectation right? is what yeah. I like to say. And that's kind of a good, like you said, human mantra to have. Um 
so yes, I think, you know, to your point, Corey, like we've got to just share knowledge and then it unlocks everything that you can imagine. Yeah. Yeah. And that's not to say, let's be clear. I mean, that's not to say, you know, you give everything away for free either. No. I mean, they're no, proprietary they're things. A business here. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. I mean, we, a girl's got to eat, you know, but, but at the same time, you know, you have to make a distinction of like, you know, there's some things you can actually make accessible to people and then premium products or proprietary products. You can say, Hey, this will cost you more, but let's help you at least get your ball rolling with some basic knowledge. I, and I think that's a really wonderful way to, to live as an entrepreneur. So. It is. And to your point, like what it does, it helps you weed out the people who are not going to invest the time. Cause if they take your knowledge and they run with it and they come mm. back to you, yes, yes. you're like, okay, you're serious about this. And that's then how you can move them into more of a paid product. Cause you mm-hmm. know, they've got like the sweat equity invested in it. Yeah. Absolutely. And also another big part of your journey that you speak about, which I love, another universal trait is the learned experience from missteps and quote unquote mistakes or quote unquote failures, which some people argue there's no such thing as a failure if everything you do is a learning experience. So share your thoughts on that. I do agree. I like this saying, I don't know where I even heard it. Maybe I made it up. I have no idea. It's called like (laughs) fail up or some people say fail forward. I know people have said that before. And it's true because right when I got out of college, I started a business and it like before I went to Dickies, I only had it a year. That's why it's like a blip on the radar. It failed. Yeah. It absolutely failed. It went upside down in the red. It was a cosmetic store and it was awful, like in the experience of understanding what it meant to be a business owner. Yeah, yeah. But Corey, that never happened. It wouldn't have led me to Dickies. It wouldn't have led me to this job in Austin, which I, like I said, wasn't a fan of, but that is, that would not have led me on this path that I am now. Now sitting here, I am literally probably 14 years later, 15. And I am that no longer that girl from when I first graduated college and started that business. I am confident and educated. And now is the right time to start a business mm-hmm. decades later than I did then. Yeah, it's amazing. And that's, yeah, because you've spoken about that, how the the uh, quote unquote failed experience uh, helps you refine your approach, right? Helps you take knowledge and say, I know what didn't work last mm-hmm. time. And that's mm-hmm. half the battle too, not being so concerned about what works, but okay, I know what I don't want to do <laughs> the next time around. That makes all the difference. It is. And when you fail, you bounce back quicker, right? The more you fail, the quicker we were talking about pivoting and creating a new direction, the less you kind of sit in that space of unproduction and the quicker you move towards your goals. If you do fail multiple times. And honestly, what is that saying? Like businesses fail seven times before they Yeah, land. before they find. Yeah, absolutely. So I mean, listen, I have had two failures under my belt. This is number three. Let's hope this is it. But you know, <laughs> I think you're doing okay now. I think you're. Good I think one. now I have found where I'm supposed to be. <laughs> yeah, but that's why I talk about it because people just see the success of something and they don't understand that all of us have fallen flat on our face trying something that you said the timing wasn't there. Yeah, I, I remember um in the music industry years ago, years ago, when Cheryl Crow won Best New Artist. And like all of us who worked in the industry were laughing. They're like, that girl has been singing background for everybody from Michael Jackson to Dolly Parton for like 20 years on tour with like everybody from like Elvis to Garth Brooks. I mean, like, <laughs> you know, <laughs> oh, but people think, they think when you get that accolade, 
that it's an overnight success. Not realizing, you know, Sheryl Crow in this example put in year, decades of work to be perceived as overnight sensation. So it's really, uh, you know, perception that, that cracks me up with that kind of stuff. Put the work in, do the work and don't worry about the accolades. I always say. It is perception. And I think about in that situation, Marie Forleo, she wrote that book, Everything is Figureoutable. And she grinded for decades on like, she started as a dance. She was a cardio dance instructor, then became a life coach, then the kind of found her stride and then spent decades. And now she's one of the most highly earned and successful kind of motivational self-help business because she's got a great product to help you grow your business. And, but I love her journey because I have seen it every step of the way and people look at her now and they're like, Oh yeah, she's got best selling books. She's got a great digital course. She's got a great life. She's been doing it for a really long time. Yeah. And I think you have to put the time in. That's where you really, and I think that might be a, a setback to not just for any certain generation, but I think society right now, we are sort of now programmed to a very immediate gratification sort of thing because mm-hmm. of digital technology. Mm-hmm. You know, you hit a button and something pops out the oven. You hit a button and something pops out the fridge. You hit a, you know, everything is like a button and instant gratification. I think that's impacting people's, um, ability to put in things for the long haul. I think it's, I don't know. That's just my you know theory. No, it is because I have to tell you every author that I work with is expecting success overnight. And that just doesn't happen. It doesn't happen in publishing. Rarely, rarely. Um, it doesn't happen in entrepreneurship or in life, right? It is very rare that you just win the lottery and it's a success. And even the most you know, well-to-do people have that problem of wanting it now. Yeah. And now more than ever, like when, let's just, if we focus on the publishing space, it takes at least six months, if not a year before a book comes out to plan and execute on that plan. And then you now look at a book success, not when it launches, but three to five years after it launches. So you're working for like four years mm. on getting sustainability for your book. Wow. That's like a four-year pregnancy. Like, right. <laughs> the right. baby finally is born four years old, basically. And then you're like, oh my gosh. But that's yeah. the thing. That's what it takes if you really want to make a success, mm-hmm. you know, as an author, but also like in life, like my agency was not successful overnight when I started it. Right. Right. It was completely different. I was a hot mess in the way of like what my services were and offerings. And it's taken a lot of time to like figure out the right Mix. Paige Dungan, thank you so much. Founder of the Front Porch Collective. We really appreciate you being here today. Thank you for having me. This was a true joy. So I look forward to seeing you next time. Thank you for listening to Motivational Mondays presented by the National Society of Leadership and Success and available wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. I'm Corey Andrew Powell, and I'll see you again here next week.